This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Sunday, April 5th, 2020, uh, both nights of WWE's WrestleMania 36 now in the books. We thought we would jump right on the air, give you guys instant feedback to, uh, for sure, night two just ended, and then also what happened during night one of WrestleMania. This is Top Rope Nation. I believe this is episode 136. My name is Ryan Drosty, and I'm here with Kyle Ross, Justin Joint, to break it all down for you. And uh, we're just going to talk kind of the big highlights. We're not going to do the old uh, talking each and every single match that we got between both nights. We're going to focus in on uh, what we think you guys want to talk about, the reactions that you guys want to hear. And so overall, uh, Justin and Kyle, just to throw it out there, did this show or these shows, plural, uh, beat your expectations? Yes or no? What, what do you What do you think, Justin? Oh, wait, hold on. I'm just got a message huh interesting uh the edge and orton match is still going on (laughs) (laughs) oh we're gonna get into that one that is for sure um so considering the times we live in in the show that they put on i would say they exceeded expectations um they got you know really fun and i think they did them in the right way with the firefly funhouse and the uh, Boneyard match. Um, and, you know, there was a, quite a few matches that surprised me that the lack of crowd really didn't bother me in maybe even one or two cases where it was actually helped the story of the match to hear the guys talking. So um, there's definitely a lot of uh, duds, but I, I think, you know, and the other thing that really helped it was being two nights and these things getting over, you know, 9:30 central time that helped a lot too tell you what that's nice for the podcasting gig right now <laughs> usually when we do these post shows which aren't that often guys we haven't done one of these in a while um usually it gets really late i'm hoping to have this thing mixed and up well before midnight tonight at least central time so that is nice uh kyle what did you think did this uh, this weekend beat expectations for you yeah 
If you listen to our preview of WrestleMania 6, uh, 36, if you listen to our preview of WrestleMania 6, by God, <laughs> hats off to you because I didn't know we did it. But uh, <laughs> if you listen to our preview of WrestleMania 36, uh, now let me regain some focus. Uh, you heard us, or at least I said, if this escapes discussion of worst WrestleMania ever, it's probably exceeded expectations. Now, that's a reflection of how low the bar was. This was not in the discussion of worst WrestleManias ever. In fact, I could make an argument it was better than last year. Ooh, perhaps because of the Perhaps because of the two-night format. Uh, Justin hit on it. I think the cinematic matches were the big story of the weekend. I think night one was better than night two. And as we're going to get into, that, for me, has a, uh, a lot to do with each night, I think, for better or worse, was defined by one particular match. Yeah, I'd agree with both of you. I think it, it beat expectations for me. I still don't really like the whole aspect of not having a crowd there. That was that was a constant thing to overcome for me. Although I do adjo- uh, I do agree with what uh, Justin Joint said in that in some matches they work that in well, where you could hear what they were saying to each other, and and that was a nice touch. Um, but overall, yeah, it beat expectations. Uh, as far as how I would grade this show, we usually talk about, you know, what would you give it for a grade? I'd say this show is around like a B-level show, if I'm grading it A, B, C, D, or F. And that looks in line with what our Twitter followers have graded it. I threw up a tweet just a few minutes ago to grade WrestleMania. And as of right now, there's 137 votes. Uh, 42% give the show a B. Actually, 36 gave it an A. Uh 14% with a C and uh, just a little over 6% with the D or F range. So overall, people are really positive about this show. And uh, I'd agree with like the B level. Um, I did think, yeah, again, it, it beat expectations. I think each night had some really good matches. I'd agree with you, Kyle. I overall probably liked night one a little bit better because of one particular part in night two that took some of the steam out of the show and I know we're going to talk about that here in a little bit and you guys will probably agree with that but overall we also had this theme of uh, both nights had the cinematic matches is that our story the weekend Kyle yes and it was a case of WWE adjusting to the circumstances of the times that we're in right now Uh, if there was ever a time and place to attempt to do what they did with the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse, it is right now. Yeah. Because if, if you've ever had a chance to sit down and talk to somebody who works in WWE and you tell them, you know, why aren't there that many vignettes on Raw and SmackDown anymore? You know, how about some character-driven pieces? Why don't you guys show parts of these great documentaries on Raw or SmackDown? Chances are they're going to give you this answer. Well, we're worried about the live crowd. They paid for their tickets, and we don't want to have them sitting there watching TV. Well, you didn't have that this time. And we talked about this a little bit in the last couple episodes here on this podcast, that, hey, you can make use of your production talent uh, right now because you don't have to worry about a live crowd. So, yeah, the cinematic matches were the story of the weekend. As far as the other matches, I think there was only – Again, we're going to talk about it. I think we're all in agreement what it was. There was only one real stinker this weekend, despite no audience, which I think really helped this show exceed expectations. I think that's indicative of the show, in fact, exceeding expectations. The fact that you could point to only one match um, that was bad. 
Yeah. And ironically, they actually tried something unique. They did something that you wouldn't have done had there been a live crowd. So um, the matches that actually took place, you know, in the empty arena, none of them, you know, stunk up the joint and Mm -hmm. some were quite good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into all of it here in just a second. I do want to say, if you've never listened to Top Rope Nation before, because I assume there's going to be a lot of new listeners tonight. There always is for the post-WrestleMania shows, at least of the past few years or any indication. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're getting podcasts. Leave us that five-star review. Leave us a written review. We will read it on the air during our next podcast. And also, if you leave a written review, leave us your Twitter username in the review. We'll get a hold of you, send you a free sticker in the mail. That's something we've been doing of late. And, of course, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. If you like podcasts, sports, entertainment, I'm sure Blue Wire has something for you. Check out the full lineup over at BlueWirePods.com. So, <laughs> what's James that? Meltzer had his best tweet in years. Oh, God. What'd he say? So, some person who will, will remain handleless, nameless uh, here said, I love me some matches like the one Edge and Randy had. Reminds me of older stuff. Good storytelling. And Meltzer <laughs> responded, I heartily recommend Rude versus Chono in Philadelphia. <laughs> and for those of you who have never watched that match, that's Halloween Havoc 92. A long stinker was Rude Chono <laughs> in Halloween Havoc 92. That's a funny tweet by Dave Meltzer. What a, oh, Dave, that's the Dave I miss. <laughs> Kyle, right Dave is stealing your gimmick, man. He's taking the deep dive of the week away from you. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. I'll tell you what, I don't care how many drugs you got uh, in the closet, you know, stored away for this quarantine. They ain't going to help you watching Rude Chono, I'll tell you that. It's usually a focal point of our podcast at the end of every show. Kyle Ross is Deep Dive of the Week. Not going to do that tonight because this is a special show. It's the WrestleMania post show. Uh, So to begin here, guys, the big thing we want to start off, first topic, is the fact that we have two new... Uh, WWE, you know, the pseudo world champions. we got the WWE champion, the new one, Drew McIntyre. We have the new WWE universal champion in Braun Strowman. Uh, each match was held on separate nights. So to talk about it here, do we think that these particular matches were hurt without the crowd? And what did we think about them? Because as far as the Braun Strowman-Goldberg match went, boy, WWE did a poor job of setting that one up on... <laughs> Friday night SmackDown, they just threw up a graphic on the screen that it was going to be Braun Strowman challenging Goldberg. There was absolutely no storyline explanation for why Roman Reigns was not in this match any longer, despite the fact that earlier this week, Triple H had said there would be an interesting explanation. There was not. There was solely (laughs) just the graphic randomly coming up on the screen. I'll tell you what. I'm glad that there's... (laughs) Maybe I'm not glad because it would make for a funny story, but... uh... I guess Vince should be glad that there's probably going to be no Easter party at the McMahon house this year because, boy, would that be an awkward conversation with the son-in-law. Hey, why'd you leave me hanging out to dry with that unique circumstance we were going to do? Because that one, unique. It was the opposite of unique. Dad, you made me look like a tool. Yeah. (laughs) Justin, what did you think as far as these two go? uh, Did either of them get hurt by the fact that there was no crowd there? Did both of them get hurt by that? Did, Did it not really matter? And then just the matches in general, uh, what was your take on those two? Um, well, I guess for starters, uh, speaking of the matches, they were identical. 
I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. yes. you know, the, the champion hitting their finisher a bunch of times and then the opponent hitting their finisher a bunch of times. I mean, it, the only difference was that one took like two minutes longer than the other. So that was kind of weird. I mean, luckily, you know, uh, that's another benefit of having, you know, WrestleMania over two nights. Um, I think Drew McIntyre was probably hurt the most by not having the crowd because frankly, I mean, they just put the belt on Braun at possibly one of the lowest points of his career. I mean, he just lost a three on one handicap match recently. Um, I mean, they missed the boat on this. This should have been two years ago. Oh yeah. Um, so that's just kind of awkward, but you kind of have to just go with the flow considering the circumstances of, uh, rains pulling out. Um, <laughs> what the heck was I'll that? be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just died in the Ross household. <laughs> I think Zuki the dog might have just stepped on something. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry. And I guess the main point is that I think Drew actually could have gotten a huge, especially if they would have actually done this over two nights uh, and not had an exhausted crowd, you know, at the end of a seven, eight hour show. I think the crowd really would have been behind McIntyre and, could have really gotten behind that match. Oh, hell yeah. I agree. I think they built up Drew McIntyre so good these last few months. And that was the biggest downer for me is that he had to do this in an empty venue. Because you look at that that build-up video that they made. You look at how they put him over in the Royal Rumble. I think he would have got an awesome response from 70,000 people. So that, that was a downer. I agree with you on Braun Strowman. You can go back and... Listen to the Top Rope Nation shows we did, I think, in the summer of 2017. And we were very high on uh, Braun, you know, that being the time you could put the title on him. Didn't happen. Now he's got the title. And like you said, it's kind of a low point of momentum for him. But I think probably due to the nature of Bill Goldberg not working a, a full schedule for WWE and maybe not being around at all for a long time, they kind of had to get the title off of him. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think Drew was probably hurt buy it uh braun goldberg probably didn't matter as much what do you think kyle yeah i am in total agreement with what you guys said uh the fact that braun was just sort of placed into the match with no storyline explanation and really it goes back further than that like goldberg his title win feels so random now right right like it wasn't something that was planned it, it was kind of a you know, once the once he agreed to do it, I, I think the, the the you know he was good. the plan was always for him to go over. But it seemed like kind of an eleventh hour idea to get him into the universal title situation, and then Braun came in at eleven fifty nine and fifty nine seconds basically, and it was such a nothing match. I don't think that win again to the point both of you made that Braun is not at even anywhere close to his hottest point right now. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't have gotten a tremendous WrestleMania memorable, iconic reaction. Yeah. Drew probably would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, if it comes at the end of one big long night, who knows? We're going to talk about, you know, moving forward, should WrestleMania be one or two nights? Um, who knows? Because we've seen previous main events, you know, people be kind of tired out for. But, uh, yeah, it, it he was hurt more by no crowd. And I completely agree with Justin, by the way, a very astute observation from Mr. Joint that <laughs> did the same guy agent these two matches and just 
Tell them to do the same thing. <laughs> it, it, it was it was stunning how similar they were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the cinematic matches here momentarily. And while certainly there is a tie that binds them, they were very different, actually. Yeah. I am glad that they did do the title changes, though, and they didn't, you know, hold back on that. I do think it was it was the right move to do it, regardless of there being no crowd. I think Drew had to win this match. And yeah. Okay. You, you guys were real big on this on the preview show that we did last week. And I give you both credit because it, although it wasn't consistent, it seemed like they were holding off on certain things based on no crowd. But in the case of these two matches, they certainly did not. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about the women's uh, title pictures. It That kind of felt like maybe those results were dictated by a lack of audience. Yeah. Whereas these were not. Mm -hmm. So let's move on now. Let's talk about the cinematic matches. All right. So on night one, we had the Boneyard match with The Undertaker and AJ Styles. And then tonight, Sunday, we had that Firefly Funhouse match. Everyone has been talking about these. I can tell you from my writing over at comicbook.com, the bulk of the interest that people have had are in these two matches as far as readership goes. So let's start with the Boneyard match. Um, So first of all, I thought both were successful in what they were trying to do. These aren't your typical wrestling. They're not even really wrestling matches. You know, they're, like we said, cinematic deals. It's It calls back to, like, um, definitely what Matt Hardy has done over the years and and also, like, Lucha Underground. I thought thought the producers, the production, did an awesome job on this. And I thought the Boneyard match, even though we got the return of the so-called biker taker, which I am not a fan of, I thought it was still cool. Um, when he rode in on the Harley, they had Metallica playing instead of Limp Biscuit, so that's an upgrade right there for the for the biker taker. But I just I feel like at this point in his career, this is probably like gimmicky stuff like this. This is the best way to utilize the Undertaker, and the way they shot it, he looked awesome. AJ was great in this. I just overall, I really, really enjoyed the Boneyard match. And at the end, he kind of went back to the uh, dead man gimmick with all the superpower, supernatural type stuff. Um, Justin, what did you think of the Boneyard match? I dug it, man. It was a lot of fun. And that's, you know, that's what pro wrestling should be. It was the right of mount, right amount of like uh, kind of corny. And I think that was the main thing. It's like, you know, the House of Horrors failed because it took itself way too seriously. Whereas this one, I think they they were okay kind of hamming it up a little bit. And um, you are dead on on this is exactly how they need to utilize Undertaker from here on out. Mm. Um, and it, you know, for me, it sparks that little bit of hope that, you know, hey, maybe this is the way we can get uh, Undertaker versus Sting at a WrestleMania. Um, and then just one kind of fun thing. I, I I thought about was like, cause I know some people out there were like, wait, why did the Druids turn on undertaker? He's like, <laughs> it is because he went back to biker taker. Yeah. That's yeah. why. Yep. I thought that last shot where he got on the bike and you had like the purple taker symbol, like show up with the lasers on the barn. That was freaking awesome. That was such a cool shot. Kyle, what'd you think of it? Yeah, and then AJ with the hand peeking out from underneath. That was a callback to the season finale of Melrose Place uh, season four with Richard Hart. (laughs) Yes, Melrose Place reference. This is going to be a good show, Uh, man. (laughs) Okay, 
I believe the Boneyard match was the highlight of the weekend. It To say it exceeded my expectations would be the understatement of the weekend. Yeah. I, I was... What, it, what did you guys think when it went on last? Um, Were you like, I can't believe this? I, I mean, I was pretty confident it was going to be good, just because obviously they, they had set it up and shot it in advance. So it... Pro- if it was like live, then I'd be a little worried maybe because I was questionable how they would do this. But since since it was all done in advance, I figured, well, this is probably going to be pretty good then if they got this last. The, the fact that it was going on last had me thinking, OK, this is might actually be decent because if yeah. it had obviously they had seen it. And if it had not turned out, they wouldn't have put it last. That, that's a very good point. Uh, it, it really is. And um the reason that this match succeeded again, to go back to a point I made earlier in the show, is it was very, it, it was the right time to do it. You know, if, if you had all these empty arena matches and this just felt like, hey, let's take advantage of time and circumstance and do something unique. And I totally agree with this being the right use of Taker something that everyone needs to understand, I hope they already understand and don't need me to reiterate it right here, is this was far better than Taker and Styles in the ring could have ever been. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're, like this is unique. You can remember it. It played to their strengths. The trash talking, which was a key. I don't know if you guys picked up on this. I think you did. Justin mentioned it right at the top with, you know, the empty arena feel in some case, enhancing matches. Um, but the performers who figured out you got to trash talk and you got to lay your strikes in, you, you could tell, you know, who who knew what they were doing and maybe who was a little uh, confused out mm-hmm. there. In these, and the trash talk was great here. Uh, I laughed at the music playing when the OC showed up. Uh, was Taker drawing blood on the car window shot a rib on Goldberg? <laughs> Going back to, uh, what, 99 yeah. WCW? 2000? Or 2000, yeah, yeah, when he punched the thing and he like shattered like a tendon in his arm. I, I was kind of <laughs> laughing at that. Um, I was laughing at this at first, but no, it turned into a remarkably entertaining endeavor. And something Justin Joint said moments ago, completely spot on. It was cheesy, but it was like a good kind of cheesy. It was, it was very self-aware. Mm-hmm. And... WWE isn't always that good at that nowadays. Uh, Take, for instance, that Ms. Morrison rap video (laughs) where it's like you're watching it and you want to believe that the people involved know it's absolutely the drizzling shits. But at the same time, I get this feeling it's like, wait, do do people think this is like cool? Like, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be, like, ironically funny, but it needs, like, a Gorilla Bobby like uh, repartee after it. You know, they go back to the studio, and Bobby Heenan's like, that's the greatest rap music I've ever heard in my life. And Gorilla go, are you serious? That was absolutely horrible. <laughs> you know, WWE isn't that self-aware with their kind of cheesiness these days. And th- this was a good kind of cheesy, and it was actually just a good, Unlike the other cinematic presentation we got this weekend, this was an actual match. I feel comfortable rating it. Uh, and, it, you know, I, I think it was the best match of the weekend. High praise from Kyle Ross. And uh, I'd be 
Hard pressed to disagree there. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm probably going to give it a rewatch here in the next 24 oh, hours yeah. for sure. Um, we're going to contrast this with the other cinematic match, which was the Firefly Funhouse match in just a second. But I do got to get some housekeeping out of the way. And that is to mention our sponsors, our good friends over at Bet Online. currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering experts. So the Firefly Funhouse match was, in my opinion, incredibly entertaining like you said Kyle not exactly a wrestling match but holy hell was there a lot of stuff going on here we got the ruthless aggression era John Cena we got the doctor of thugonomics John Cena we got the original Saturday night's main event intro we got a Saturday night's main event ceiling banner we got the old blue cage we got the NWO we got NWO nitro we got WCW nitro this was worth the price of admission. Justin Joint, how much did you enjoy this? Obviously, you know, I've been able to rewatch uh, two or three matches from night one. Um, I have not, I, you know, obviously we just got done watching night two. This might have been my favorite thing of the entire weekend. <laughs> it was so funny. Just like... We're texting back and forth during this. Like, what? Kyle's like, what am I watching here? <laughs> it's like it just kept getting more bizarre and more bizarre. It, it's it. It was fun. It was silly. It probably doesn't warrant uh, any deep thought. But at the same <laughs> at the same time, I feel like if you maybe kind of looked at it a little bit further, you might be able to find some stuff there. Um, you know, I you know I like the uh, NWO John Cena. You know, maybe a callback to. Uh, uh, Hogan once being the franchise who uh, became a bad guy, whereas that never happened with John Cena. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was, it was kooky and weird, and um, boy, I just wish I had been high when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I loved the fact that we had the Vince McMahon puppet on commentary with a puppet styled as Macho Man, by the way. Interesting pairing there. Uh, but we had the Vince McMahon puppet saying... Uh, this is such good shit leaning into the <laughs> Dean Ambrose story from when he left WWE. I could, I was shocked that that was on there and I, I really popped for that. I thought that was pretty funny. We had all those highlights running like throughout of, of Cena's career. They had the clip of CM Punk for money in the bank 2011 in there. All kinds of good references. Kyle, your take. So I want to say that this would have been better served as a vignette. But it was quite the long form vignette, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't exactly do a 50 again, going back to an earlier point when there's live crowds, 
on now maybe they could have done it on SmackDown, um, but you know during the empty arena weeks. But 15, 20 minutes on TV is kind of unprecedented for a vignette. But I go back to something that I think we all agreed on with the AJ Taker deal. This was definitely more entertaining than any straight up Cena versus Fiend match would have been, particularly in an empty arena. Mm-hmm. So it was not a match. I, you cannot rate this, I don't think. Uh, if you're into that kind of deal, but it was entertaining and it was the only thing uh, in the second half of night two of WrestleMania that took my mind off the low point of the weekend. And yeah, before this, the show had kind of died a little bit, right? Yes. I mean, I was really struggling to keep my attention. I was just like mentally burnt out from a match. We're going to talk about uh, here in a few minutes, but, yeah, this definitely uh, piqued my interest. And I was on Zoom with a couple guys, guys who I've gone to Mania with in previous years. And they all, like, love this universally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, like, their favorite thing of the night, hands down. Uh, it, it was very interesting. And it's funny. Vince, it had at least been reported, Vince had said uh, in regards to the Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt deal that we got on Raw, what was that, like last year or something, or maybe even like two years ago now at this point, two years ago. He's like, if this is good, then maybe I'm just behind the times. Did you guys see that report? Uh, I don't think I saw that one. Okay, well, Vince was basically like admitting, he's like, okay, we can do this, but I don't get it, and if it's a success, then I guess I'm just behind the times. Yeah. Well, it's the Boneyard match I can really see him getting and liking. This, on the other hand, I would love to know what Vince McMahon's reaction was. Not that that would dictate what my reaction to it was, but I am interested to know what Vince thought of this because it was far crazier and more out there than the Boneyard match. Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. It it was, I mean, like I said, it wasn't even a match. It was just this bizarre long-form vignette. (laughs) How about that part where John Cena was doing the supersets, like the bicep curls? (laughs) Oh, that that was like incredible. I'm watching it. I'm like, what the hell? And, you you know, there, you know, wrestling, there is a suspension of disbelief. Always. This really required um, quite the suspension of disbelief. Like, you know, how was John Cena who got a standard ring entrance all of a sudden like teleporting to these different scenes, like willingly. But, you know, again, more ent- entertainment's the name of the game, and this was more entertaining than a John Cena fiend match would have been. Yeah, I agree. So, but yeah, go ahead. I have one more take on these cinematic matches tied together for you guys. Okay. Uh, had these happened at a quote unquote normal time in history, they don't work as well, right? Like if these occurred in the middle of a live audience, oh, WrestleMania oh no, or a live no, no. audience, whatever. Okay, yeah. That and that's kind of that's the uh, uh, fly in the soup. You know, when I brought up Undertaker and Sting doing something like this at WrestleMania's, it, it, like you said, just doesn't work with a live crowd. Mm-hmm. I am very interested to see because opinions on various matches throughout time, they evolve, they change. I am very interested to see 
how opinion on these two cinematic matches um, changes, if it does at all, over time. You know, how do we view the Boneyard match in three years? Because here's a key. And if you don't think it's coming, you're wrong. We're going to get copycats of this down the line. It may not be right away, but we're going to get more of these, I believe, because quite frankly, they were the talking points of the weekend. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, the clips on their YouTube channel are going to do a lot of views and that's kind of metric they look at. So for sure. The Boneyard match, I liked a lot more than Final Deletion. Your guys' thoughts on that comment. The TNA Final Deletion. Uh, I would probably agree. I think, uh, I mean, overall, you got a bigger budget production here. So I think I think overall, it just came across a little better. Now, obviously, it's it's a little bit difficult judging that because they're inspired by what Matt Hardy did. But um, yeah, I would agree. I think this was better. Justin? Same. I mean, I, I, you summed it up really well. Yeah. I, I also think the Boneyard match was less kooky. You know, while it was very a very different presentation of professional wrestling, it was two, like, main event guys fighting. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it wasn't kooky like Final Deletion or certainly not kooky like the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, you know, and th- there are some people who, like, totally rejected this stuff. I think these people are out you know, in left field, you know, people want to compare this to the mini movies of WCW infamy in 92 and 93 folks. I've seen that stuff. That is the drizzling shits. I mean, the thing with Sid and Davy boy Smith saving the orphans on the beach and the boat blowing up. That's really bad. (laughs) I mean, that was like a low point for professional wrestling. Neither of these were anything like that. Yeah. They weren't like the white castle fear. They weren't, you know, like Sting and Jake with Cheatham the Midget. This stuff was refreshing at a time when, quite frankly, wrestling needed to be refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. So we would all agree then that, like, these two cinematic matches were probably helped because there was no live crowd because maybe it wouldn't have worked as well if a live crowd was just watching the screen the whole time. We said um, Braun and Goldberg probably didn't make as much difference. Drew probably hurt that there wasn't a live crowd there for his big crowning moment. Now, a match that I think was definitely hurt with no live crowd because we got a completely different match was this Edge Orton last man standing match. Now, if they had actually done this match at Raymond James Stadium, obviously it would have been completely different. We'd have got more of a um, a regular last man standing match, like out in the ring. They wouldn't have been backstage the entire time. Throughout. That's a great point. <laughs> you know, they would have actually worked a, a more standard match. Um you know, so similar to like what Chomp and Gargano have done in the past. This was like a well, gimmick. <laughs> well, as far as yeah, like they were like actually Chomp working a match. Because they would have been given 40 minutes. Well, and and I'm not going to even say it would have been as good as that one. But they would have worked a more standard match, you know, out in front of the fans. This all over the WWE Performance Center was just completely gimmicked up. Um, we did see Edge return in the Rumble. But, you know, if you're expecting to see Edge in a wrestling match, that's not really what this was. Uh, so... Kyle, we've we've already alluded to this. Um, I know your thoughts on it, so I'm going to throw to Justin first before we go to Kyle. But yeah, for me, I, it just it went way way too long, way too long. Um, I eventually kind of like turned the sound down on my TV as I was watching it to try to help the excitement level because like the announcing was really bad throughout it. They were like almost whispering, a lot of silence, a lot of 
grunting from Randy Orton as he was in pain. Uh, just it just it did not come across that great, which was disappointing for me because super pumped to see Edge again at WrestleMania. Hopefully next year they'll be in L.A. in front of a huge crowd and it'll be in a, a regular wrestling match. But here, uh, div- it just didn't live up to expectations for me. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, I liked, I actually really liked the ending. I thought that was pretty good, and that showed, you know, Edge has been, you know, practicing his acting chops in his off time. Um, and it, it probably wouldn't have been bad if he just hacked off 15 minutes of it, but I don't understand how you can think almost 40 minutes of just slamming each other's heads into various objects is a good idea. Um and I even I kind of liked the tour of the performance center. If they just maybe would have done it at a faster pace, or yeah. I don't know. I just I, I'm kind of at a loss from where. Maybe it's just me. Was was the the spot with the uh, weightlifting machine kind of a bad look? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. people going down that road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dark side there, of the ring some, right yeah there were some jokes that i laughed at on twitter that i'm not going to repeat on this podcast mm. yeah that was probably not the best not the best choice <laughs> kyle go ahead okay <laughs> look i'm not gonna do what all you think i'm gonna do but uh is <laughs> surprisingly good as the boneyard match was on night one Edge and Randy Orton, last man standing, exact opposite. Painfully long. This is an issue in pro wrestling in 2020. Matches going too long. And, you know, later tonight in the show, we're going to wrap up with a discussion. Should Mania consider being a two-night deal? And I thought night one really kind of flew by, dare I say. You know, eight matches, three hours. Hey, I can do that, and I can do another night of this. You know, you... You sleep, you do some stuff during the afternoon, you watch more wrestling the next night. It's cool. This match grinded WrestleMania weekend to a painful halt. Uh, Considering the build, which I think we all raved about when we previewed WrestleMania on the last episode, and that great edge doc they had on the network Mm -hmm. today. I, I watched it. It is outstanding. Edge is a very lovely house, by the way. My hat's off to you. <laughs> what a home this is. I mean, who designed this place? <laughs> but uh, Asheville, North Carolina's finest. Asheville's an up-and-coming city, they say. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was there about 20 years ago to see Bil- the Biltmore Estate. Haven't been back oh, since. Oh, yes. Anyway. Yes. Um, anyway, um, I feel bad for whoever had to sanitize the PC after this match, too. Uh, it's probably not something a lot of people are going to talk about, but that had to be a tough gig. I, I just think this was as disappointing as disappointing gets. Uh, the match should have been half as long. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know at what moment I realized this was getting really, really bad, but I was just like, man, like, you know, we're, we've been going for 20 minutes. We're in three different rooms and this doesn't feel like it's going to end soon. And I'm like, that's really bad. And then I'm interested because we were all talking about our respective Twitter feeds. You know, mine just started getting real nasty. And I think that made me start hating the match even more. And those people weren't wrong. I mean, there would just be like five, six tweets come in a row where people were like, end this. I mean, Meltzer, again, he had kind of a 
funny night on social media. He was talking about crimes he would confess to just for this match to end. <laughs> um, he made a funny John Jones joke. Uh, Dave Meltzer, is the funny Dave back? I don't know, but uh, this was just not good. Uh, I'm going to go hot take on it. I think it was one of the worst WrestleMania matches in history. Ooh, that is because of brutal. The time, because of the time. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Yeah. If you think about the bad WrestleMania matches in history, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Tori and the Cat, WrestleMania 16. Are those two on their best day even one one hundredth of the caliber of Worker, Edge, and Orton are on their worst day? And maybe this was their worst day. <laughs> Probably not, but Tori and the cat got like two and a half minutes. So at least like, it's like, okay, this is really terrible. This is horrible, but like it ended, mm. you know, it was a blink and you'll miss it affair. This was like, I don't know. I just, I started getting angry by the end of it. And it, it took me out of the next two matches until the Firefly Funhouse deal. I was just emotionally disconnected. Just a horrible, horrible match. And I want to know who agented it. And keep in mind, too, this could have been edited. Who watched this and said, 40 minutes of this is acceptable? I want that person's name. That also would have been a really easy edit, too. Because since they were shifting scenes and like going to different rooms, you could very easily like skip a room or two. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, this would be skip. like a super easy edit. edit. Yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what a take that is on WrestleMania 36. You could have skipped a room or two. I think <laughs> really? that sums up uh, the times we're in quite a bit. It's pretty shocking. You know, looking at my Twitter timeline, I'm not going to name names, but there are defenders uh, of this match who really enjoyed it. And uh, I just can't imagine ever firing up the award winning WWE uh, network and putting that match on and wanting <laughs> to sit great through great. that for 40 minutes. I'd love yeah. to fast forward to like 2028 and Kyle Ross is sitting there in the living room. He's like, you know what I want to watch right now? WrestleMania 36 edge, Randy <laughs> Orton. <laughs> I, I I'm with Justin. I don't think I can ever rewatch this. Yeah. I same. mean, there's a lot of matches I don't want to rewatch. Um, but this is right now at the top of, that list i i would not how long did you give me ryan in your alternate timeline what year what did you say six years from 2028 now? yeah <laughs> 2028 so eight years from yeah. now maybe I'll, I'll fulfill that promise in 2028 and say yeah i'll give that another rewatch but you know it's not like i was burnt out at that point i thought the show and the weekend overall had been going just fine yeah and this just Again, I could never have imagined this match being the low point of the weekend and AJ Taker being the high point. I could never have imagined that coming in. No, I saw a lot of people predicting this was going to be the match of the weekend. Yeah, and you really did nail it, I think, Ryan, at the outset when you said hurt by there being no crowd because it would have been a completely different match. I I do tip the cap to them because I think more matches – you know, needed to do unique things in lieu of having no audience. And they clearly did that. It just did not work. Uh, And not only did it not work, I thought it failed miserably. Had they gone half the time? Eh, maybe it does work. I just think, you know, overstaying your welcome, this was not the first match to do that in 2020, but it was the most egregious example. Yeah. Luckily, Edge is back for a while, so we will get him in a a more standard 
pro wrestling match uh, to see him back in action. Also hurt by the fact that apparently he was going to have Alter Bridge pay- playing him to the ring at Raymond James Stadium for his entrance, which would have been sweet. Something else we didn't get because the show was moved. So overall, yeah, I think this match was very much hurt by the venue change. And then the show in general was hurt because right after this had the Raw tag match, which I just was not very engaged in. I know from looking at your Twitter timeline, Kyle, you also were not very engaged in that one. And let's be honest, on the totem pole of the weekend, that was already pretty low. So that was kind of a death. It was a brief match, like six minutes. We did get Bianca Belair coming in at the end, which was cool. Uh, They rolled that then into the the SmackDown women's title match, which Bayley won, and they were playing into the heat of Sasha and Bayley, which is going to be our eventual feud. Um, But... Speaking of women, let's look at the other women's matches because they involved two of NXT's finest getting defeated. So Becky Lynch <laughs> defeats Shayna Baszler, fresh off of Shayna destroying, you know, the Raw locker room and uh, Becky having destroyed them over the past year. So I don't know who the hell ch- challenges Becky Lynch at this point. Uh, I have a horrible idea. <laughs> other than Ronda Rousey, eventually. Um, well, that would be a horrible idea. Yeah, that would be a good one, but we don't know when that's going to happen. And on the other side, for the NXT women's title, uh, Rhea Ripley, this one shocked me the most, loses, Believe it or not. loses to Charlotte Flair. So, uh, guys, I was talking to one of my good friends about this match at the time, and I, I reminded him that, God, I think it was a little over a year ago, we did a show where we said Charlotte Flair is basically everything people uh assumed to hate about Roman Reigns. I mean Charlotte yeah. Flair may be the most protected person on the entire roster. And the fact that she beat Rhea yes. Ripley here is just freaking egregious. I I thought the match was really good. The first match yes. of night two, I thought the match was freaking awesome. Um they did they played into the chop block that Charlotte hit early in the match, which looked brutal on the replay, the way her leg bent and then Ripley did a really good job selling that throughout the match. So I'm sure in a rematch scenario, you know, they'll play up the fact that Ripley got hurt early, that she can still challenge Charlotte. But I was still really, really surprised at the outcome of that match. Um, So Justin Joint, bringing you in here, how surprised were you at these two matches and the results? Um, I was definitely more surprised at uh, Charlotte winning. Although at this point, I I don't know why. We should be surprised. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is basically a, a redux of uh, Charlotte Nasca from WrestleMania 34. This is, It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I felt like that Becky Lynch thing was kind of coming. I, I don't know why, because it's just weird how you have, I mean, Becky's basically gone through the entire Raw roster this past year. And then in one night at Elimination Chamber, you have uh, Shayna Baszler go through, you know, a very large portion of the roster. That doesn't bother me as much because it was kind of a fluky win. It, it's something that Shayna Baszler has been beat with at least once, maybe twice. For some reason, I wanted to say Ember Moon beat her with the exact same Yes. Way. Yes. Um, and I don't know. I guess with the way... Charlotte has been built up. I just, it, it, that is one of those things why I want to reserve my thoughts until I really see where this goes. Cause there's a way that you put this in a live crowd, like say SummerSlam or a big takeover 
I mean, the crowd is going to be hugely, hugely behind Ray Ripley to get that title back. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that played into the finishes. I mean, I think it, it certainly could have. It's just really interesting to me, though, that if you look at WWE since, you know, the four horsewomen came up, every hot NXT star in the women's division that they brought up since, they've really, like, cut out their legs from under them. Look at Asuka. Look at now Shayna Baszler. And look at Rhea Ripley. You know, like Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley have been the hottest NXT women's stars for the last couple of years. And boom, they both lost at WrestleMania. Kyle. Welcome to Raw, Bianca Belair. (laughs) Yeah, Bianca Belair coming up next. The of the empty arena matches, Charlotte and Rhea was the best one this weekend, I think, pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was pretty stunned that Charlotte went over. And like Justin said, maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, there was chatter online. I know people were getting a little fatigue about that. There was fatigue that Brock might retain tonight, too. And I'm hopeful that something Justin said does come true, that we do build to a rematch in front of a live audience and Rhea wins. Because I can, I just cannot believe that Charlotte is going to be on the NXT show long term. I just can't. Yeah. Uh, again, by the way. It uh, would be another awkward uh, discussion at the old Easter table at the McMahon household between Paul and Vince here. Vince, what are you doing to my girls that I bring up? I mean, you're <laughs> killing them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that between that and the, uh, you know, interview he gave on the unique way Roman would be taken out, uh, Paul's got to be feeling a little red in the face over some things this uh, last seven days. But uh, match was good. Hmm. I thought Rhea did a great job of selling the knee. And I want to say it would have been like an awesome finish had she overcome it. But it would have been a really awesome finish if she would have overcome it and there would have been a live crowd there. So I'm hoping that she does eventually beat Charlotte for the title in a rematch. And, you know, the NXT women's roster is stacked. So, you know, I saw that stooge Ryan Satin, you know, he's like, oh, you know, trying to like put his positive spin on it. He's like, oh, you know, well, you know, see all these people complaining. Well, how about all these good matches Charlotte's going to have? And that's, I guess, a fair point. Um, you know, if you didn't work for WWE, but whatever. <laughs> and then with Becky and Shayna, I was disappointed genuinely by this one. Uh, the result. Becky has run through the entire division and I have a horrible feeling that what's next for her is Nia Jax. Oh. And and they're going to, like, go back to that, even though, you know, it's like, we're. I know there have been some injuries and stuff, and maybe you couldn't do it proper, but it just feels we're far removed from that, you know, ac- that accidental injury that, you know, wound up ironically launching Becky into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and... As far as the finish, it did protect Shayna some, but I almost feel it's like overdone. Not just in Shayna matches. I know for a fact she lost to Ember Moon in the first uh, chance she had at a title down in NXT, and then she beat Ember Moon the next time. So that gives me some um, reason for excitement, you know, with Shayna's main roster uh, uh, hopes. But. I feel like even with like men's matches, we get the the Brett Austin Survivor Series 96 finish quite a bit or, you know, Brett Piper WrestleMania 8 if you want to go back even further. 
Doesn't it seem that way? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, super nerdy uh, comment here. Though that like the the Brett uh, in Stone Cold and the Brett and Rowdy, for some reason, doesn't bother me as much because of like the interlockings of the Million Dollar Dream compared to just like a normal uh, reverse chokehold. Sorry, that's it. <laughs> I kind of I kind of like that as a yeah. take. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll smash that like button. So, you know, I, I I'll be honest with you. The result of this actually took me out of the Daniel Bryan Sami Zayn match. Some I, I was I was kind of really not amused that Shayna lost here because I thought this match was pretty good. Um, this is when you saw for the first time on the weekend people of uh, the participants of the match understand what you needed to do to get over an empty arena match. It felt very physical. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yes. trash talking involved. So uh, I, I like that and. I was going to go on a rant how maybe Shayna's age and look work against her from the top decision makers. I'm going to reserve that. Hopefully it was a deal where, hey, uh, you know, it's an empty arena deal. We can do this bigger sometime down the stretch. Because if you don't, what are you doing with Shayna Baszler? Yeah. I I, I mean, to me, Shayna wins here and Becky goes for revenge. That's your storyline. Mm-hmm. Because other than like Liv Morgan, who won on the pre-show tonight, you don't have a lot of raw women with a lot of momentum. No. Although, I mean, Bianca's coming up, so who knows how she figures in the mix. But I, uh, I, I still think Baszler's going to get it. She can come back. You know, whenever we get some live shows again, she can say that was a fluky win, um, and she can get a dominant win. You know, at you know whatever show, and then you have Ronda Chase. Excuse me, Becky. I hope so. And, and I feel you tie that into Ronda's return. Speaking of that go. Freudian slip. Yeah. Well, potentially late summer, depending on how long we're off here, <laughs> which could be a while. Could be a while. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, again, I said it on our WrestleMania 36 preview, not our WrestleMania 6 preview. You know, that was my Silverdome moment, I think, by the way. But uh, WrestleMania 36 preview that I would not be surprised if at WrestleMania 37 – it is Becky and Rhonda. Yeah. Obviously the ball is in Ron completely in Rhonda's court. Mm-hmm. All right. So real quick here, let's talk about other things just in brief that we liked and that we didn't like. Um, I'll go first. I love the fact that bliss and cross won the women's tag titles because Oscar can potentially become a singles competitor again. We talked about that on the pre-show. Um, I liked the triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown tag titles. Did a lot of crazy stuff in that one. Um, I loved Kevin Owens getting his WrestleMania moment. Uh, yeah. Just, if, you, if you followed him on Twitter, too, he's talked about that a little bit and how he had ideas of doing stuff off of the ship at Raymond James Stadium. He even took pictures of it when he was there for a show uh, earlier this year or last year. Uh, but he still did that awesome move from the top of the WrestleMania sign at the Performance Center. And props to Seth Rollins for taking that, not moving off the table. That's pretty crazy on his part, too. Um, Other than that, I thought uh, Aleister Black getting the win was good, obviously. But that match went too long. That's something I didn't like. I think Bobby Lashley should have lost very quickly. I'm not sure why Bobby Lashley gets so many chances chances in this company. I don't think he's a guy that's ever going to be a main eventer or really someone anyone 
cares too much about, to be honest with you. But uh, that match went seven minutes and 20 seconds, which was about six minutes too long, in my estimation. Um, as far as other stuff that I didn't like, uh, you know, I didn't see the pre-show matches. Full full disclosure, I'll have to go back and watch those. And I agree with Kyle. The Brian Zane match, I, I was kind of taken out of that one, too. I was also writing something on the Becky Shayna match for Comic Book at the time, so I need to re-watch that. I don't really have a strong opinion on it either way i think we all pick sammy though to win on our pre-show mm-hmm. I, I saw good feedback on that one i just got i have to rewatch it but uh as far as what i liked and didn't like i that's kind of the road i would go down kyle you got something yeah as far as these two um i'll go to the i'll be positive here let's be glass half full i was happy for kevin owens that he won uh i don't know about you guys but I let out a big, oh, no, when I thought we were going to get that kind of crappy finish where Rollins hit him with the bell and just it was a DQ. I was like, guys, I know it's an empty arena. I know we can do rematches, but that's really uncreative. <laughs> but, you know, they did restart the match, and we got the big spot. And here's the key, too. Pay attention, those agenting all future professional wrestling matches. The big spot in the match, Owens diving off the sign onto Rollins on the table, it directly led to the pinfall. Yes. Imagine that. Good call. You know, it wasn't like that elimination chamber where, uh, uh, oh, God, what was that spot? And the guy got eliminated right away. Mm, the there was like that big one? spot in the, in the tag, yeah, in the tag team elimination chamber. There was some huge spot the guy did, and then he just got eliminated like two seconds after that. Not only did it not pay off, but he wound up like losing. The, uh, I mean, I, which the, may, I, I mean, I guess was the uh, big story. It was like a shooting star press off the top of the elimination chamber. Yeah, the it was, uh, I Lucha forgot House which Party. Guy. It was from, yeah. from Lucha House Party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I guess that was a story. That was a bad example, but um, you know, I, Owens, you know, hitting the big spot and winning was great. You know, him getting uh, a win at WrestleMania is a story unto itself. I mean, you go back. I think there was that documentary that showed how disappointed he ended up. With the Jericho match at 33, based on Vince's reaction to it. And who knows if Vince was testing him or not. But there was some disappointment there. He was very disappointed about not being on the card at all. Last year, he kind of got bumped because of Kofi Mania. So, real nice deal for Kevin Owens. Um, Other than Edge and Orton, there was nothing that was actively bad on either night. I think there was a lot of three-star-ish matches on both shows. Um... So some, I mean, you know, Elias and Corbin wasn't very good and went too long. But uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot to complain about except that last man standing, which deserved a lot of complaining. Yeah, Justin. Uh, shout out Cesaro breaking out the UFO. Yes. <laughs> nice, good reference. So. As far as that was a good match. If you guys are going to go back and watch the pre-show matches, definitely watch Cesaro and Gulak. That was good. Uh, as far as Liv and Natty, not as good, but at least Liv won. Uh, and by the way, I would say uh, uh, the turd and night one was Elias and Corbin. Yeah, that that, that didn't make any sense at all. This, well, like Elias gets thrown off of the top of that whatever and he's just okay getting a win by cheating well (laughs) and he did not work the match like a man who had recently been thrown to his near death yeah yeah. you know i mean brett 
Yeah, I mean, Bret Hart had his knee kicked out of his knee, trademark <laughs> Owen Hart, at Royal Rumble 94. And this guy sold like he might never walk again when he went to the Rumble. I mean, give me something. Yeah. I mean, Elias kind of did stumble down and they teased he might not make it. That was okay. But then he just, they worked like a normal Raw match. Yeah. At least Corbin was talking junk to the commentators. That was, I guess, the lone highlight. And we should mention, okay, for what I didn't like, it was brief. Thankfully, Gronk is not good. Yeah, uh, I agree. I should have mentioned that, too. Yeah, I'm not not a fan, but he is the, uh, the current 24-7 champion. <laughs> is, Mojo, is Mojo worse, though? Oh. Hmm. That's a tough choice. (laughs) I'm not not sure. Not a huge fan of either, I'd have to say. And by the way, that Snickers commercial that Ric Flair does, Mm -hmm. heavy shots at Zack Ryder basically saying Charlotte's better. (laughs) I thought that commercial was awesome. That was good stuff. It was, but your boy Zack Ryder, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he takes a bite of the Snickers and becomes Charlotte Flair. (laughs) I didn't really look at it that way at the time, but I think you're onto something. Vince uh, is like, if only it was that easy. <laughs> well, Zach was not on WrestleMania, and I think the debate I'm hearing here is that uh, Corbin and Elias, probably not a WrestleMania match, and that leads into our final topic here. Uh, should they do WrestleMania as two nights moving forward? And I think my take on that is, you know, if they want matches like Corbin and Elias and they're going to have 16 to 18 matches on this show, two nights is the way to go. Personally, I'd rather see this thing get back to like 10 matches or under and do it all in one night. But, you know, if they want to get everyone on the show and do these marathon events, I think two nights is the way to go. You mentioned it, Kyle. It's it's a much easier watch, you know, to sit down for three hours to watch it rather than uh, six to seven. I think it would be interesting as far as how they would sell the tickets to a two night show. Yes. Would they would, would they put them each on sale as separate events or would they would you just buy one ticket and it gets you in both nights? I think from a business perspective, uh it might be better to sell it as a both night deal just because you get them both sold out right away. Now I'm sure almost everyone going to the going to WrestleMania weekend would try to buy tickets to both, but who knows? If the if the product gets uh less attractive to people and you know judging by what the ticket prices might be you want to have yeah. you you want to have a full stadium both nights. So personally, I would sell it as one tickets gets you into both nights. That way, you're you know you're filling it up two nights in a row. Um, and we, we know too, there's uh, all kinds of like indie shows and Ring of Honor doing stuff, Impact doing stuff. AEW has not they or they were not going to do a show in Tampa this year, but uh, we know we talked about it on the podcast in the past that WrestleMania weekend's huge for a lot of the indie companies and. Uh, a lot of the fans going down there might want to check some of them out too. So uh, there's definitely some competition for eyeballs, but WWE is the main event. But for me, from a business perspective, you, you try to get it full as best you can both nights, and that would be with one ticket gets you in both nights. Uh, Justin, what do you think on on two nights versus one night? And I actually, I think you summed up all of my thoughts. I <laughs> nailed it. I just knew exactly what you were thinking. We've known each other yeah. so long, 20 years, man. I just I just know your takes. That's like, I mean, like, if, if let's say if you bought for one night a WrestleMania ticket is $100, would, would you be okay maybe throwing like another 50 to add a second night? Yeah, probably. 
Now, yeah. if, now, if you if you got to buy two It'll tickets and it's two hundred, that but yeah, point but, made. But if you have to buy two tickets and you're spending you know two hundred two hundred fifty bucks each night, then you might think you know what I might only want to go to one night. So yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion though. What, what do you think, Kyle? Two things uh, in terms of length of show. Night two of this year's card was. What was it about 25 minutes longer than night one? Probably. Yes. Yeah. And felt every bit of it. <laughs> yeah. It actually felt longer than yeah. 25 minutes. Like night one was just a real breeze. Like it was like, Oh my God. Like I just watched the WWE pay-per-view and I'm not like emotionally and mentally spent. This once, is like, once you get past th- once you get past three hours, those minutes start to drag. I think three hours is yes. a sweet spot. You can't go longer than that. That's the key. And for if, you know, I don't know what the sweet spot is yet for, I would have to go back and evaluate, you know, the last couple of years when, you know, I started to die off or I have to remember, but for a one hour show, but it does, if you can hold to seven to 10 for main show, both nights, it works really well. It works much better than doing one six hour show. Uh, logistically, something that they would have to do for those interested in maybe only going one night. And I do agree with you. I think most people would probably try to go both nights uh, depending on how, you know, depending on cost, I think cost would be the big issue. How much would a two night ticket go for, but what they would have to really be cognizant about, I think, or they could get themselves in some trouble is they would have to announce early what matches are going to be on what night that becomes an issue. We talked about this, I think, the first ever time we discussed this topic, because you know the way fans can be. And, you know, if somebody really wants to watch one match and it turns out they've already bought a ticket and that one match is on the night that they don't have, there's going to be a lot of bitching on Twitter and WWE doesn't like that. So that's something they'll have to be cognizant about, mm-hmm. I believe. They're really going to have to advertise what's going to be on what night. Kyle, the Bergy bro, just wants to know what night Goldberg's wrestling. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, all the Goldberg fans, they're only coming. And by the way, I love Goldberg, how in interviews he treats these previous matches that are, you know, have long since taken place as if they were a shoot. <laughs> you know, like the Goldberg-Brock deal. Did you read his comments on the, the WrestleMania 20 match? No. Oh, I think I won because Vince wanted to kill Brock more. Mm. He always just talks like that. You know, you're like, like somebody called out his matches one time. He's like, let's see you step in a ring. I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and that's a problem because WrestleMania tickets go on sale when? November, I believe it is. Yeah. Usually right around there. Do you think they're going to know their full cards by November? No. Hell no. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just going to have to be buyer beware on that. I mean, it's not like the old days when, you know, WrestleMania tickets went on sale, you know, within two months of the show. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now the venue is named well in a year in advance. Tickets go on sale in November. People have to, you know, it's a traveling audience. So maybe that'll be a small percentage of, you know, people are always going to complain about something. But um, it'll be interesting because I think that's an issue they run into for those one night buyers. If you do this thing, people could potentially be upset that, hey, you know, um, that one match I really wanted isn't on the night I'm going to, but the way WrestleMania is designed now, there really isn't 
one main event, right? They try to load up both shows. Even if you look at the two nights this year, I thought the match distribution was correct. You obviously had to have the two cinematic matches on different nights, um, the two world title matches, quote unquote, on different nights, uh, Becky, Shayna, and then Rhea Charlotte on different nights. So it was it was fairly evenly. I thought it was well distributed, I should say. Yeah. Okay, so that that was WrestleMania 36. We're essentially uh, entering a new year for WWE with a lot of uncertainty on the horizon due to the pandemic going on around the world right now. Um, We've talked a little bit on the broadcast about how there was discussion about WWE maybe going on a break, but as of right now, that does not appear to be the case. Uh, They do have tomorrow night's Raw already taped, and then uh, later this week, apparently they're going to be taping SmackDown from a secret location. That was the report out today. So we should have quite a few interesting topics to talk about in the weeks ahead. Guys, if you like Top Rope Nation, tell your friends. Subscribe if you haven't already done so. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out over on Patreon if you really want to be a supporter of the show. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. You'll get extra bonus content. There's 16 exclusive podcasts posted there right now. A free gift for joining uh, pre-show every week as we record the flagship broadcast and all kinds of other perks. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. Instagram, same handle. We're also on Facebook. You can find me at Ryan Drosty. That's D-R-O-S-T-E on Twitter. And uh, Kyle, where can they find you on Twitter? At TRP Kyle. And Justin. Uh, I think at, at Justin Joint. Yes, it is. At Justin Joint. So let us know what you think of the show, and we will check you guys next time. Let us know your thoughts on WrestleMania. Tweet us. Instagram us. Shoot us an email. TopRopeNation at gmail.com. Talk to you next time. Hey, hey. Peace. Ho, ho.